0: Hi, I'm Caleb. I'm a cardist, and I'm interviewing other cardists to see how and why they create, so we can learn how to grow as a community. Welcome to Cardistry Talk. Hello everybody, welcome back to Cardistry Talk. Today, I'm joined by Sean Roshan, also known as Not O on social. Uh, He's a part of the Orbit crew. He's big into cardistry and magic and been in the community for a while. Uh, Do you think I missed anything in in describing you? I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. That sounds good. Um, So I guess we'll just jump into some questions uh, out the gate. Um, These are going to be a lot of card tree related questions just because that's what I'm kind of focused on. That's what I like more so than magic. So just so you know. Um, So just starting out with Orbit, um, do you have a favorite version that you guys have released over the years? Um, I really like the uh, V4s, the black ones, just
1: because I have, Like that's, I mean, my wardrobe would say otherwise right now, but I have mostly black clothes and I I'm one of those annoying people who can't like hold a deck of cards unless it like sort of goes with what I'm wearing. It just feels off balance. If it's not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, the, the V eights that are coming out are about to be my favorite. uh, If they are going to be the final version that I saw from our group chat, um, they look really good, and I think a lot of people are going to dig them. So, uh, yeah, I guess any anything with, like, darker tones, I guess the V4s are a pretty pretty solid answer for that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, those are probably my favorite that I've seen, too. V8s, excited yeah. for that. Um, so yeah, be- keeping up with the Orbit theme, um, obviously being a part of the Orbit crew, there's a lot of awesome people part of it. Is there anything that uh, sticks out to you as like a highlight of being a part of that group and then maybe a low light as well?
1: Sure. Uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, a highlight for me is that I've been, I think like most people following Chris Orbit-Brown since I was a kid. Like uh, I remember he was literally one of the, not, not a YouTuber per se, because he doesn't like consistently post, but like as I was getting into magic and cardistry, he, his videos were the ones that I would come back to constantly just to see what he's up to. And the arthritis onslaught videos were, they, they, um, conveyed such a feeling that I feel like I resonated with, and I'm not really sure that I can articulate, but it was a style that I knew I wanted to replicate and I wanted to be like this guy. So, um, you know, 10 years later to be able to work for him work with him and, and have a say in this brand that I grew up watching, Uh, is definitely a highlight for me. It's very cool to, um, it's fulfilling for sure, to be able to work with uh, someone you look up to so greatly still. Uh, He's like still a celebrity to me. (laughs) Um, A low light would probably be that we don't live near each other. And especially in 2020, we cannot see each other. Because I think the the last time I saw Chris in person was, uh, was a year ago. I think it was literally like a year ago today, maybe. That we had the Orbit Jam, uh, it was the second. I think it was the second one, um, which is the in-person event where we rented out a theater and we had the big screening of of the video, of the Orbit Jam. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it was for the next edition. Um, so yeah, I think definitely definitely a low light is not being able to be near my teammates, my my boss, because they, above all else, they're my best friends. So I would just like to be closer. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you say you look to Orbit as like inspiration early on when you're first starting off as like something that's really unique and like someone who's doing something totally um, like awesome. Have you ever thought about um, how you might be uh, portraying that or fulfilling that role for other people? Because I had Andrew Shea on the show earlier and he also mentioned that you were like a big inspiration for how he got started. I don't know if you know him, but really uh, would you say his name was Andrew Shay or how is it Shea. oh yeah,
1: with the yeah, I know didn't, i didn't i I' recognize the name I didn't know how you say his last name, but yeah, totally um him in particular, yeah I, I've thought about I don't like to think about like that kind of thing because I just i try to be as humble as possible because i you know I work hard to get to where I am, and um I understand that you know I mean I'd like to have that effect on people is what I'm saying, and I've definitely recognized my style in him. And, he's like off to the races now with his, like, I can't keep up. He's great. That Andrew kid is awesome. Um, I don't, I don't think about how, uh, you know, I I may or may not be that status for some people or kids or whatever. Um, that's, that is my end goal. I think ever since I started, I want, I told myself I wanted to be a headliner, you know, after the first cardistry con and like seeing Tobias and Kevin Ho and Oliver and, um, all those people before brands or anything were up on stage in New York. I told myself next year I'm going to be a headliner, and the next year was Belgium or uh, Germany, Brilliant. And then the next year was Los Angeles in 2017, and I spoke. So I, I feel like I've reached that goal of, of where I want it to be, and it, it's great. But I don't, I don't like to think about, you know, I, I got to be like a celebrity. <laughs> um,
0: but it's, I think it's cool that you know maybe I'm there. Even if like you're considered like. A celebrity or like a headliner like in terms of like Carter Street and magic is such a niche thing that like it's not like you can walk down the street and someone's gonna know who you are or anything exactly yeah yeah so yeah there's uh, not really a point in getting headstrong about it right
1: so.
0: but yeah I, I just think it's awesome to kind of see uh, other people getting inspired from you and like kind of seeing the cycle continue
1: I think yeah, I think I think that's great. I'm I'm nothing but appreciative
0: for, for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just jumping to another question here. Um, you've gotten the chance to work with a ton of different brands. Obviously, we've been talking about Orbit, but there's also been Doberman Studios, Portland Gear. You work for Portland Gear. Um, you ran an OPC trailer. Is there any creator or brand that you haven't worked with yet that you feel like really uh, resonate or would be a lot of fun to have. Um, that's a good question. Thank
1: you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I I guess I just like to do more more collaborations and more shoots, even if it's not even artist related, just like, I think in in life, I think my, my path is uh business and branding and and media so i think doberman's a great example um i literally saw one of his shirts like my barber was wearing one of his shirts and she tagged doberman studios and i was like that's a great that's a cool brand uh i want a shirt so i just mess i messaged doberman and they had they had just started on instagram they had 100 followers and this is like five months ago now a hundred followers i was like hey man crazy shirt. Let's shoot. And, uh, he's like, Oh, great. I just moved to Portland. Let's do it. So, um, we met up a few weeks later and he ended up being like the nicest guy. And I just love surrounding myself with people that have that drive for creating things. Like you're, you're a great example, interviewing people and, you know, messaging people like this. And, um, I just love that the internet enables people to, uh, have an outlet and have a medium and reach an audience. So I think, uh, anyone who's like that, I'm, I'm down to collaborate with cause I feel like, I mean, I'm doing my best to be like that. Uh, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, even outside of Cardistry brands, just any other s- small clothing brand or anything. Uh, but I guess within Cardistry it would be really cool to do a video for dealer's grip or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned like being willing to just work with other people who are creative and like how important that is. I've found it like very, like a lot easier to do these interviews than I was expecting them to be. Uh, I think Cardists are a lot a lot down to work with other people. So like, I've been surprised about the outreach that I've been getting. Like uh, last week I interviewed Kevin Ho and then you, and I would consider both of you guys like major inspirations for for me, um, my personal cardistry.
1: I appreciate that, man. Well, yeah, that's very cool. I think Cardist in general, just, I think there's kind of this spirit about Cardistry. Um, I definitely feel it where you just want to share it as much as possible. So any opportunity to, um, you know, talk about your own personal story, how I did card, you know, came up in Cardistry or like, um, you know, just to get the word out there. I feel like back in the day, there was a couple news, local news outlets that reached out and I've, I really wanted to talk. I wanted to be on the news about cardistry because I love this thing so much, and I want other people to love it too. So yeah, I think card cardists in particular are really
0: uh, more apt to to speaking about it at length. Mm-hmm. I think there's a passion there too that comes with being a part of a niche group of wanting yes. to, like you said, share it as much as possible. Yeah, totally. Um, yep. So you got to work with uh, Joker and the Thief on the um, cardistry was here. Kind of documentary and, and those yeah. types of things um, showcasing cardistry what was that experience kind of like that was awesome i honestly think about nepal
1: like once a day <laughs> even if it's just for a second um that was great actually yeah, we were in um hong kong in 2018 for the cardistry con over there and um i hadn't really i like i knew about james obviously because he's joker and the thief and he's the funny australian guy on the internet <laughs> um I met him briefly at 2017 Car street con in LA and we hung out and he gave me a deck and he's like, do a video. And I was like, yes. And I never did it. So <laughs> I was hanging out with him uh, in Hong Kong and we were having some drinks or whatever. And it's late in the hotel. And he goes, dude, <laughs> he goes, what are you doing in March? And this is like September of 2018. So he's like, what are you doing in March? Like 2019? And I was like, I don't know, dude, probably vibing. <laughs> uh, and he's like, do you want to go to Nepal with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Be like, I mean, at the time, I was like, Nepal? Where even is that? Why would we go to Nepal? And he's like, Yeah. So I know I have this friend who runs this nonprofit. His name's Sam, um, and he runs this nonprofit about uh, saving orphan children um, from, you know, s- sex trafficking, which is uh, horrible. Um, and like these kids have lost one or both of their parents in the earthquake. So these kids are literally. He built this village out of nothing pretty much. And it's like a functioning village with agriculture and, and he um, built all these schools and, and uh, resources for these kids. And I was like, uh, yeah, why should, why, why would we go there? And he's like, well, because playing cards obviously have this, uh, it wasn't obvious to me at the time, have are, are kind of coded as, you know, they're related to gambling and, and death and crime and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoa. Um, and he goes, so we can show that cards can be used for magic and cardistry because I have no idea what that is. Obviously there's no internet over there. So I was like, yeah, I'm done. So um, immediately forgot about it. Uh, after we talked that night, uh, the con went on and kept hanging out. We kept talking up until January. And he goes, all right, man, I'm going to buy my tickets. And I go, your tickets for what? And he was like, Nepal. Don't you remember? And I was like, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> so I worked it out. We were talking about dates in March. And uh, I ended up going over my spring break in my senior year um so i had a week free uh and i remember the moment i hit buy on the tickets on the um airline app that i was using um it was a huge amount of money and by far the craziest ticket i had ever booked um i would be going from portland to san francisco san francisco to uh, china and then from china to uh, Kathmandu, nepal and i was like here we go. So I hit it. And all of a sudden I am going to Nepal. The date runs around or comes around and we're, you know, we've prepped and everything. And I told my parents about it a week before and they're like, you're, you're crazy. Nepal is a crazy place. Why would you go there for a week? Um, And I was like, I got to do it. This is, I feel very driven and compelled to do this. So um, I'm in the airport. I was supposed to fly to San Francisco first. Um, I'm sitting on the tarmac. All of a sudden the plane is, unbelievably delayed and we're sitting there for hours and it realized that if i stay any longer um i'm just gonna miss my flight to china from san francisco so um it was a big thing all the san francisco airport was being delayed super bad because the winds from the bay were like messing everything up so everyone in the entire pdx airport who was trying to go to san francisco was obviously delayed and livid so i get off the plane after an hour or two and uh I walked to the front of the airport to go talk to the desk agent to see if they could do something. Because I I literally, I was already like terrified of traveling this far alone by myself, uh, much less to a third world country. Um, so I'm pretty shaken up at this point. I'm like, well, I'm just not going to go to Nepal. So I, was, I was literally said to James, I'm like, hey, man, this, and he's already there. He's already in Nepal from Australia. And I'm like, dude, I just don't, I'm just too afraid This isn't going to work. So I stand in line. It's 1 a.m. by the time I talk to the desk guy. And I'm the last person in the airport. And uh, I explained to him basically the whole thing I told you about car industry and everything. And uh, I was like, what can you do for me? And he goes, give me a second. He makes a couple phone calls. And he goes, well, if you'd be okay with leaving in 12 hours from now, uh, actually, nine hours from now, um, I found another route that takes you through San Francisco, then to Turkey, and then to Kathmandu. So I was like, let's do it. Uh, and I was like, so how much do I owe you? And he goes, nothing. It's comped. And I was like, how? And he goes, we're, we're Alaska airlines. We're the best airline. He didn't say that, but that's what he's thinking. Um, so I ended up, you know, waiting nine hours. I took an Uber home, slept, actually didn't sleep that much cause I'm so nervous. Uh, went back to the airport, didn't even unpack my bags and, uh, I'm off. So I fly to San Francisco and I fly to Turkey, weirdly slept all the way through the nine hours from, um, San Francisco to Turkey, which I never do. And given my nerves, I didn't think that would be possible. But I wake up on the other side of the planet, which was insane. Um, I'm in Turkey. My layover is six hours. That's the best I could do. And I, at this point, I'm, that's fine. You know, I, I'm not going to complain. Uh, and then I'm getting, as I'm getting on the plane to Kathmandu, I'm surrounded by these people. First of all, Turkey's weird. It's called Turkey. It's got weird people in it. <laughs> but as I'm getting on the plane to Kathmandu, um, these people are just uh, dirty and like they look very sickly mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like what am I getting myself into so I get on the plane and the plane is like from 1980 for sure there's like it just feels like if you look at it it will fall apart
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the seats are all crusty and gross so it's a it's 11 p.m. like I think Turkey time, which I have no idea what time that is on my body clock, but I'm messed up emotionally, physically. Uh, I'm on the plane plane takes off and I'm looking on the, I'm like watching a Charlie Chaplin documentary on the, uh, the plane. And all of a sudden the plane starts being tossed around like a rag doll. I fly a lot. I'm normally okay with turbulence. Something about this flight didn't feel right. And I got super nervous. I looked at the little map that you can look on on international flights and we're flying around Saudi Arabia. And I was like, how come we're doing this? in my head and then I heard someone ask a flight attendant that and they're like oh because it's a protected airspace and if we enter it they'll shoot us and I go awesome I'm gonna die <laughs> um, anyway long flight we land I see James it's all good uh, I oh and because I had delayed this whole journey I would effectively be in Kathmandu or Nepal for three and a half days um, four days uh, which is like not a long time to fly that distance <laughs> yeah uh so we hang out and I get adjusted and everything, and um, we end up uh you know trekking to Kathmandu or to batase the uh, the village that Sam built, and we meet these kids and i 'm filming everything and um, it's it 's very emotional it, w- it was a very emotional experience because these kids literally have nothing they wear the same clothes for their entire life. It seems like in this village they don 't have much uh, and they all live together in this one shack. There's 20 or 30 of these kids. um, And they're the happiest kids I've ever seen. They're in a third world country, so far removed from civilization. Uh, It sounds so extreme, but I swear that's what it's like. Like they got buildings and stuff and electricity, but like they don't, they're not in society as it were. Mm -hmm. They just have their brothers and sisters who are orphans and they have Psalm to look up to. And Psalm teaches them everything from education to just how to be a person and they had no idea what playing cards were and they didn't know what the symbols meant you know kings and numbers and stuff Uh, but they knew what they looked like so if you do a double lift and you change a card it's going to blow their mind and it did and it was crazy to see that and I think a lot of people resonated with that um, watching the film Uh, James contracted something horrible, uh, while we were in the village, when you, when you go to a third world country, it's not only common sense, but told to you by the doctor that you see before you go, when you get new shots to not eat anything that isn't cooked, of course. Uh, so I did a good job of that. I, you know, they do a lot of dumplings and fried rice over there. So that's kind of what I was eating the whole time. James, when we got to the village was offered some sort of fermented stew, which wasn't cooked like a fermented vegetable stew. And I go, no, thank you. That looks very good. But I'm, I'm a, I'm a weak Westerner. You know, I can't, I can't afford to have typhoid right now. Um, and James is like, yeah, let's do it. I got to experience this. (laughs) So he, uh, he eats it, of course. And I'm like, you're going to regret this later. And sure enough, um, he regrets it later. We're, we're in the, uh, like the main, um, we call it like the, it's like the house where all the kids stay we're in the basement and it's like every day they do these really cool um like recaps of the day where the kids get to talk about what they learned and, and friends they made it's just so wholesome so we're there um with all the other volunteers that we trekked with and uh i'm sitting next to james waiting to like talk or whatever and james is like quivering and sweating i look over and there's a bead of sweat dripping down james's face and i go are you okay bud and he goes and he looks like a ghost um and without warning he gets up and leaves i'm like all right so i do my whole i do the whole cardistry introduction by myself um james comes back halfway through uh he looks a little better but um apparently he just had to go outside and barf his guts out Mm -hmm. so i was like great uh the night ends and we're in our cabins or whatever and uh i (laughs) wait I wake up, like, three hours into sleeping, and I just hear James, like, moaning, uh, and he just pukes a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then halfway through the night, I wake up again and realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm feeling something bad. Uh, I didn't throw up, but uh, my body was definitely, like, fatigued from, I'm sure, like, very dehydrated from literally two days of, it was, like, a good 10 hours of walking every single day for two days. Uh, with like my entire life on my backpack (laughs) so uh, it was that and then definitely the food and probably these i just felt sick like these kids gave me something so um we do our work in the village we film the documentary and uh we're riding back uh we it's like a literally a five-hour car drive back we're not about to walk again um but they don't have any paved roads in nepal ever anywhere it's ridiculous that's uh, due to a lot of government corruption, apparently, which of course is uh, bad. But the whole time we're like, you know, bumping around like that. And uh, we get back to our hostel in Kathmandu and our bodies are just wrecked. Like we're so sore because you're trying to stay, you don't realize it, but you're trying to stabilize yourself. And we literally just, we collapsed onto our bed and slept for 12 hours after that. Um, and at this point I was just like, I need to get home. You know, I know, I know the work I did was awesome. I just can't be in Nepal. Nepal sucks. That's Nepal sucks. And that's not, I'm not being like, that's just how it is. It's just hasn't cleaned up after the earthquake and it sucks that there's government corruption, but I cannot wait to never go back there. Um, anyway, we get back and we edit the film. Uh, we screened it at Cardiff Street Con, Portland 2019 and we had a QR code at the end to, um, donate. -hmm. Uh, To uh, Friends of the Himalayan Children, which is the organization. And I was like, yeah, you know, probably raise a couple hundred. I think our goal is 3,000 US. Um, And as I get off stage and the next person is being introduced, I check my phone and we had raised that amount in in a second. So it was just really cool to really, you know, show the Cardistry community the impact that Cardistry can have. Um, And it's even cooler that everyone in cardistry it seems is so that's what I was saying before is like, there's a spirit of like sharing, right. Especially when you're in such a niche thing, you want to tell the whole world about it. So when there's an opportunity to um, not only share, but help kids in a village uh, we're going to take it a hundred percent. So it was great to get off stage and to realize that we had raised that much money already. Um, And I'm super down to do another card shows here in a different third world country, I guess, not Nepal. But yeah, sorry, that was a long, long, long answer, but that was basically the whole story there.
0: No, that's great. I, that's awesome how much money you guys raise. I think yeah. I would love to see like more things like that. I know you have Forrest playing cards uh, with Orbit, making the trees and mm-hmm. then OPC did like a lemonade thing. But right. I would love to see Carter Street get into a lot more charitable work. And uh, I'm just, I'm super happy that that's something that's starting to pop up more. Oh, yeah in the past year or two I feel like I think it's great,
1: yeah, I think it's really cool um it's just like a a great use of of our platform now um you know of brands platforms to to bring awareness to because I had no idea i'm sure I don't know if you knew about the charitable trafficking problems going on in nepal
0: No.
1: right yeah i didn't, I don't think anyone knows about it um so yeah it's a great it's a great way to bring light shed light on these uh
0: issues in the world. <laughs> Um, so Portland being your hometown, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, but what was it like having uh, street Tree uh at your spot? Yeah, it was a dream come true.
1: It was literally like, I think I was in tears, I mean, I don't think I was, I was in tears on the last day um, after the after party. You know, we're all hanging out at like my, one of my favorite bars and all of a sudden all my internet friends from the world <laughs> are just in the same space and uh as i was saying goodbye i was just like bawling i was just it was so emotional for me to have all those people that i've watched on the internet for 12 years now to be in the same space as me uh not only in the same space but like my hometown because i have a lot of pride in portland i love the city i every time i'm in a different city i go dang it i wish i was in portland right now because uh it's just the in my opinion the best city it's it's got everything um the size is great and the people here are awesome so to to have the entire carter street community in portland was like i guess really overwhelming because i just didn't know how to handle it but i remember um a couple days before the con you know people show up early just to hang out or whatever and to see portland um a couple days before the con i was taking a one of those dumb little scooters you guys have those where where are you located again
0: Cincinnati, Ohio. is that Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah do you guys have scooters yeah we, have yeah. Lime or, yeah, we
1: have Lime them. or something like that. Yeah, so those just got to Portland last year. Um, so I was taking one to work one morning. Um, and I knew that people were showing up. And I'm like, dang, I wish I didn't work I could, so I could just hang out with people. And I look over and I go, dang, those three people look like Nikolai, Noel, and Tobias. That's crazy that those people look just like them. Hmm. Oh, wait, it is them. <laughs> and they were just going to the grocery store to get stuff for their Airbnb. And I'm like, what kind of world am I in where I can look over and see the best people in Cardistry in my city? So yeah, I think it definitely like, like tickled a little spot in the childhood me, you know, to to see these celebrity status people to me, um, just walking down the street and to have, you know, my friends and, and fellow cardists coming, in, coming into my work to buy the clothes I sell, help sell, um, it was very surreal, just super surreal. And I, I always look forward to Kardashian. I Con. Think I, I think I've cried at every th- single Cardistry Con. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm a very sensitive guy. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, I, this year, or I guess this last year was awesome and really bummed um, that Belgium didn't happen this year. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd rather not get the coronavirus, so. Yeah,
0: rather. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I haven't got to go to any, so like, I'm just um I'm, I'm can't wait until 2021. I don't know if they're still having it in Belgium, but yeah, but we'll see. That, but I literally
1: like I would cut off my right leg to go to Carstreet Cotton. <laughs> like it it is the number one thing I want to do every year. I will do anything in my power. I'll I'll give up my job <laughs> if it means I can go to like if I can't get time off, I'm just
0: I'm gonna go either way. Awesome. Um so one thing you've talked about, I know I've I listened to Deccan around, you kind of talked about it, but one of your favorite things um, to do or experience is meet the people that you've met online in person and kind of connect with them in person. What do you think is so important about meeting other people with the same uh, hobby in person? Totally.
1: Um, I think a lot of it has to do with me growing up as an only child, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. No brothers or sisters. I mean, my dad remarried. I have like a half-brother who's... 40. Um, but like, I didn't grow up with him. Like he would come over for dinner once every three months. Um, so yeah, I it's been a lot of long time spent alone just in my room, watching these videos and like making videos and making cuts and and learning cardistry. And I think, um, trying to think when the first, so I guess, yeah, cardistry con was like literally the first time 2015, early 2015 when I uh, first met someone from the internet who wasn't in my area. I think I met Andrew Vila, um, twenty October in twenty fourteen. That was the first ever Cardist I hung out with, and it was the weirdest thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nicest guy, obviously, but we didn't say anything to each other. We were because I think we were both like, "Whoa, what do we do?" <laughs> um, so I think in New York, I um, I met everyone, and at that point, <clears throat> at that point, I realized how important it is to not only go to Carter but to prioritize meeting people in person. Because, um, you know, there are people there that I would Skype every day for hours. You know, I would just, I know everything about them, but I've never met them. And it's just a reminder of this, I have this like really profound thinking about the internet. It's just such a, it's the tool. You can do anything and you can, you know, have conversations like this, or you could be really close to someone who lives in France or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think the thing that I love most about Street is the fact that I can put a a face to the hands as it were. You know what I mean? Like you're always looking at someone's hands. So to see what they're really like in person is great. Um, Because it feels like you're not meeting them for the first time. You're just saying what's up in person. And I love that. I think that's the it it's always like that i just can't wait every every cardistry con to do there's someone like for you i'll probably meet you at the next cardistry con i hope and i have the same experience
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah i just that's what gets me out of bed is is cardistry and, and more than that um doing it so that i can meet more people and and just have more friends i guess in in person mm-hmm.
0: it's like 10 ago i can't talk Technology is is absolutely crazy to the point where we can contact people thousands halfway across the globe. Right. You know, to not utilize that is is kind of would be a shame. Of course. Yeah, it'd be a tremendous shame. Um, Yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, So you obviously have very impressive um, edits of both photos and videos. Um, They're very shareable. Do you think it's more important to have creative... Uh, in editing or be creative in making moves for cardistry? It's
1: a great question. Um, I sort of gave up. I, I don't want to use the word gave up. I think I realized earlier on how much I wanted to share cardistry. And this again goes back to that whole like, we're cardists, we got to say it all the time. <laughs> you know, we want everyone to do it. Um, so I think I real, you know, it goes without saying that any layman likes a spring better than they like a dumb packet cut. You know what I mean? Packet cuts are all the same to a layperson because you see one packet cut and they go, Oh, that's a crazy thing you're doing with cards there. It's cool how the packets are moving. And you show them a different packet cut and then they're going to go, Well, that's just like the first one because there's packets in it. They're moving. You do a spring or a flicker shot behind the back. Hey, that's way more impressive than a packet cut. That's not to discount any packet cutters, of course. I can't pack a cut to save my life. Um, But I, I think my goal with Cardistry is to get it seen by the most amount of people ever. Because if I can affect one or two of those millions of people I hope to reach, then I've done my job. Because I want people to experience the same thing that I get to experience with. I want people to be so stoked on Cardistry, so stoked on Cardistry Con and meeting people because it's just made my life better. It has made me happier from a real, like a human standpoint, it's made me a happier person and a better person <clears throat> with a bigger perspective, I think. And I, I wish that everybody who doesn't do Cardistry would have something like that. If it's not Cardistry, take up, I don't know, competitive knitting or something, but like get it, you know, get it, get into a community that you can, interact with and, and engage with and that it adds some enrichment to your life. It's made my life better. So I want, I want you to experience it too is sort of my thinking about when it comes to, you know, sharing card for you. Like I, I, that's a great way of putting it. I'm not ashamed of saying I'm not a good cardist, but I'd say I'm a great marketer because yeah. I can get my stuff. I literally just last night I had a front page Reddit thing and it's because I wanted it, I want to show people that, and I wanted to get my things in front of the right people at the right time. So, um, I, yeah, I would say that I prioritize showing digestible cardistry to a lay audience, because I think that's what has the most impact. Of course, I still consume cardistry and, and, you know, watching the CCC champions and people like Carter and Edgar and all those, uh, Patrick is a great example, all those mechanics, like people who work with cards so well to the point where you you just can't fathom how they do that. I think that's very important to consume, but it's just, it's not as impressive mm-hmm. to a layperson. I mean, maybe it is, but I, I just think, you know, sharing cardistry in a way that is easily understood by someone who's never seen cardistry before, um, kind of holding their hand through the experience of watching cardistry for the first time, I think is very important. And I think is, um, is what I want to do. Like I'm, I still make cuts, they're very bad in comparison. <laughs> they're still stuck in like 2012 to be honest. But um, I think the videos I make are easily shareable and, and really convey uh, how I feel towards cars. And I feel like if you're a layperson, you can watch it and understand what's going on and without question be like, that's cool. And that's what I want. Um, and it's worked out so far.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've talk, we've talked about this a lot on the, on the show as well, like how hard it is to kind of convey card Street to people that don't know about it since it is such a huge thing. So it is cool to hear um, you kind of focusing on people outside of Carter Street to bring in, because you almost have yeah. to have like a little bit of knowledge about Carter Street to enjoy like the packet cuts and exactly. the, the deeper videos, I guess, if it's not deeper, but um, yeah. so yeah. yeah, yeah you mentioned that. Um, so you've been, uh, you've made a ton of content over the years. Um, like I said, before the show, I usually will go through a person's Instagram account and look at all their posts and you have like over 400, which is the most I've ever had to do for the show. Um, is there anything from your early years that you look back at and like kind of cringe at a little bit? For sure. Let me... There's just one I was looking at. I'm going to scroll through my Instagram real quick.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess without, I think in, um, I mean, there's, there's a bunch. Definitely my YouTube stuff for sure. Just because like I'm a baby of those, you know, I just look like I'm four years old. Um, so I, yeah, anything on YouTube? I don't know if you had the unfortunate opportunity to go through my YouTube when you're, did you?
0: That was going to be too much to go through every.
1: Okay, okay. Well, uh, you're not missing much. I'll tell you that much. Um, but I I think my YouTube channel is probably like the content that I'm like, ooh, why did I do that? Um, what's funny, I have a funny story about YouTube. I was, this is like 2013, 2012, I want to say. I was making these tutorials on like card magic, just simple stuff. I didn't really have a goal with YouTube. I still don't. Um, but I was like, maybe I can have a lot of followers if I just do card because there's no people making like high quality. There's the wheel wasn't like Chris Ramsey or Alex Pandrea back then. Mm -hmm. Um, The cards were still just a very small thing. So I was making these high quality YouTube tutorials on magic and um, I don't remember how this happened, but it was back in the old YouTube layout. I don't know how long you've been on YouTube, but it was a while ago. And I got this message from YouTube that was like, you have... Ad credits like you can make a video and ad if you want, and I was like, hey, Okay, let's do it. I didn't know what I was doing, so I hit yes on like a nine minute card tutorial I did. And all of a sudden, I started getting messages and people coming up to me at school being like, Hey, I just saw you on a YouTube, like one of those ads that plays before a video teaching card magic. Did you pay for that? And I'm like, I don't, Nope, I didn't think so. I really didn't, I didn't have any cards connected to my account at the time, so it just like people were just seeing nine minutes of tutorial before their videos. I mean, they could skip it, but it was just a, its just a weird way that happened. So yeah, I guess to answer your question, um, YouTube. And then I think I got this huge, um, I think my audience really took off when I got a nine gag post. I think I was one of the first cardists on nine gag, uh, which has 50, literally 50 million followers on Instagram, which is insane to me. Um, but they picked up one of my posts from Reddit because they saw doing well on Reddit. So It has to do well on other platforms. So they picked it up and they said, Hey, uh, can we post this and give you credit? And I was like, of course we have 50 million followers. (laughs) So the morning they posted it, I woke up to, I think I went to bed with 10,000 followers and I woke up to 29,000 and I'm like, this is crazy. What's going on? Uh, at the end of the day, I ended with 46,000, uh, followers and, um, I was like, this is awesome. I got a whole bunch of not-cardists following me finally, <laughs> so I can really evangelize like I want to. <laughs> um, and uh, it was great. I, it was great, but it was cringy is what I'm getting at because, like, those video, the videos and the content I made back then were, like, comment your favorite emoji or, like, <laughs> what yeah. moves are you? we just super, like, you know. Um, tuber Yeah, yeah, just, like, annoying, like, Instagrammer. I hate, I don't like considering myself that, but at the time I was like, I'm a real Instagrammer now. I'm an influencer. I gotta be like that. Um, but I just think that's really shallow now. And I just, you know, engage your audience in other like make content that you don't have to prompt your audience to engage with. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but yeah, YouTube in
0: 2018, Sean, is probably the cringiest. That's awesome. That's an awesome story about the nine gag. Um, yeah. So obviously you've had, Uh, several years of experience uh, editing videos and making creative videos. Is there any one tip for the audience uh, watching that you would give um, about how to make better content or videos or pictures?
1: Totally, yeah. I think uh, really focusing on what you like as an artist and as a creator. Like um, a lot of my edits, like video edits are very much informed by uh, music videos. I love music, I love videos, so music videos. I also love, um, like, I feel like I, sometimes I'll just like watch music videos like they're movies. Like I'll just watch a whole playlist of music videos Mm -hmm. and it's because they with, with music and with the right edits, all of a sudden you're, you're, uh, this energy you can feel from this video. I feel like is is the best way to describe it. And I want to convey that with cardistry. And I think a a good example is the video I made a year ago. Geez, where's time going? A year ago when I moved into this spot, is the, uh, 1986 video with the purple light Mm -hmm. um i felt like that was just a music video for cards uh so yeah find out what you like about video and photos and you know what style you want with photos and how to accomplish that via editing or shooting or what lens or what body Um, so find what you like and stick to it and just grow that you know because i wasn't always editing like this but i found out how to and um, I feel like just, just honing in on that one, if you can focus on one style um, and really, really lock into that. It's not gonna happen overnight. I, think I tell people a lot too with editing and, and be, you know, just figuring out how to be creative. I don't know if being creative is a thing you can learn or a thing you're born with yet. I really don't. I don't know if I learned it or I was born with it. Um, but either way, nothing happens overnight. And I think the biggest virtue you can have as an artist is patience. So um, giving yourself and allowing yourself that time to grow and to develop your own style into something that you're really proud of. And then also to know if you, what you're doing is good, if you look at it and you can immediately, just off the cuff, be like, this is good. I'm proud of this. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you should post it. Like I, I still do this to this day. I don't post a video unless I'm stoked on it. And I notice when I'm stoked on it, it performs better. Than posting when I think I have to, you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, just just be, be so be your biggest fan. Be so into yourself that it's annoying to yourself, but that's the only way you can grow.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important to get started as well and just start learning the process. Um, like I'm constantly totally. trying to make the show that I'm doing right now better. Like I bought a new mic and adding backgrounds and stuff. So, just getting started, you're not going to start off great. Um, yeah but you make the slow improvements and eventually it will get to someone like your level. That makes these incredible stuff to me. I appreciate it. Thank you, man, I appreciate it. Oh. Yeah,
1: it's, it's all about just starting, yeah. That's a good point.
0: Um, so talking about musical videos earlier, um, I know you posted a lot uh, about Drake. I know you guys were trying to contact Project a little bit recently with mm-hmm. the deck. Um, is there any rap or hip hop artist that you think is underrated that some people might not know about?
1: Yeah. I do. Um, there's this guy Felly. actually just before this posted a video with his music. <laughs> um, his name's Felly. He goes by Felly. Uh, his name's Christian Fellner, He's from Connecticut. Um, I've been following him since he was in middle school, and he's like twenty, turning twenty-five. That's crazy that I know that he's turning twenty-five uh, this year. Um, and I just like he would just make these like dumb little beats on his like pad, does his little sampler thing in his room and put it on video and he would rap over it. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So I bought the same equipment as him. I was like, I got to get that whatever he's jamming on right there. Cause that looks like fun. So I did. Um, and I just followed him and his crew and his friends ever since. And uh, I've met him all four times that he's come to Portland. I don't, I mean, I doubt he remembers me, but we've spoken a little bit in the DMS. He's huge now, in my opinion, he's got over a hundred thousand uh, followers on Instagram and he's, Got a song with Carlos Santana, rock legend. Um, and he's just sort sort of just influenced my whole style in terms of how I am as a person. Um, my musical taste, uh, the clothes I wear, um, a little bit of the videos. He's just like, he just is such a uh, eccentric person. And I, I love his style of music. He, makes, he started off making hip hop and rap. He sort of transitioned more into... Uh, classic rock really which he pulls off really well mm-hmm. but i think he's just like a perfect fusion of these two genres that i love um so felly is a is a big um
0: uh, artist that i think not a, not enough people listen to mm-hmm. and just on the topic of music as well you've also like helped create music also you've done parkour and like i think uh martial arts um yeah what do you think it is about cardistry that allows some of these things to to kind of uh, get into the mixing pot together? Um, if that makes any sense. With
1: with music and and parkour and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, those are all things I love, and uh, I think there's an element of that gut reaction of oh that's cool. Like a backflip is like. If you yeah. see someone do a backflip. If you don't hate them, you can be like, "Ah, oh, that's a cool thing you just did with your body. That's crazy that you can do that with your human body <laughs> and land on your feet without getting hurt." Um, and music is something that is everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you, it's whether you like music or not, it is everywhere. Audio and and just so, the sonic world is everywhere. I don't think that's the right term, but. Um, you know, all these things have these immediate cool factors of like, you see someone do a flip, that's cool. You hear a good song, you can immediately recognize objectively, it's a good song. It sounds like music. Uh, And then cardistry, you see a spring and you go, I can't do that with cards. I know how cards work and I know how hard that must be. So that's cool. So I think uh, a combination of all of that um, is, uh, is another, just another one of those like, evangelical things i try to do like you know what i mean like it's got shareability like look at this crazy guy doing backflips playing the piano and also cards yeah. <laughs> like you know what i mean like i haven't done that but um, it also reaches you know, make it
0: music. sorry it also right reaches multiple groups
1: exactly that's exactly it so um and those multiple groups are macro whereas cardistry is pretty micro as it goes it's definitely getting to macro but you know those audiences that i'm reaching are are huge and um you know, to get in front of those eyes is, is a big deal. So, yeah, combining my love for um, parkour and music and, and car is, is
0: definitely uh, where I want to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love to see uh, the mixing of different types of, different styles of hobbies and stuff. I'm trying to mix in as much soccer as I can because I'm a pretty big soccer guy into car and so I've been doing a lot of foot stalls and stuff. But it's something I would like to see a lot more of because I think we're going to see a lot of creative stuff when we mix different hobbies together. So, totally I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the show, we tend to do a rapid question round, which is basically I'll ask a bunch of questions. They'll be random in nature. So some will be about cardistry, some will be about not. And the goal is just to answer them as quick as possible. Um, cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Right. So we'll jump into that. I have a spin the wheel app on my phone. So I'm gonna get that up so I can get some random questions. We'll just uh, start it off. Um, so, if you could have coffee with any Disney character, who would it be? Uh, it's because there's Spider Man, but he's not Disney. Uh, oh, uh, Spider Man. Snow White. Snow White. Um, if an actor portrayed you in a movie, who would it be? Uh, the guy who plays Abed from Community. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Oh, uh, God. Cats. Good. Uh, good answer. If you could add one word to the dictionary, what would it be? If I could add one? Mm-hmm. Typhoriant. Typhoriant. <laughs> what does that yeah. word
1: mean? I don't know, but I, I said it once and I thought it was real, but it's not. It's,
0: um, okay, this is a common question on the show. I don't know why, but um, it's become a mainstay. Uh, toilet paper, is it over or under? Over. I'm waiting for the first person to say under. No one said under yet. Well, don't yeah. let them find me. <laughs> uh, Android or iPhone? iPhone. Uh, favorite movie?
1: Oh god. Um,
0: uh, Moana. <laughs> Good movie. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. Okay, and then the second part would you use it for good or evil evil for sure (laughs) yeah why not (laughs) you're the first person to say evil that's great um yeah uh, do you have a favorite restaurant yes it's uh a fury ramen in portland all right and then we'll end off with this last question if you could have um let me rephrase that what would the title of your autobiography be
1: Uh, how to win friends and influence people. Part two. Part two. (laughs) Yeah. The first, the first, it's like a, it's a big book that like a lot of entrepreneurs read. It's by Mm -hmm. Dale Carnegie. I feel like maybe that got that completely wrong, but it's like, it's like a staple of entrepreneurship, that book. So
0: I'll just write the second one. That'll be way worse. (laughs) Um, I'll look up that book later. Um, so Sean, thank you for taking time out of your day to be on the show. Um, I usually like to do what I call rule out the red carpet. Is there anything that you would like to promote or any last nugget that you would want to talk to the audience about?
1: I don't know. I thank you. I'm, I'm so stoked to be on it. Um, very cool to, I love connecting with people like you cause obviously you're doing such a great thing. You're doing the the work of cardistry. Um, <laughs> you're spreading the good word as it were. Uh, so yeah, I'm just super appreciative that you reached out and that you gave giving me this platform to uh, tell stories on and stuff. Uh, I don't really have anything to promote. I think people know about Orbit, buy Orbit cards, <laughs> but I think people know about them. Uh, no, nah, man, I'm just super super stoked that you reached out and that we had this awesome you conversation. Also have bags. And- there it is. <laughs> <laughs> sick dude. Yeah, no, I uh, I'd say on my red carpet, just a
0: big thank you to you for for doing this awesome. Uh, interview series. Um, Thanks for being on. Um, I hope everybody has a good day. Thank you for uh, staying by if you watch this whole thing. And I I guess we'll all peace out. So see you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Card Street Talk. If you enjoyed it, consider following the podcast. You can also find me on YouTube and Instagram.